Hello and welcome to Making Mediumship the Norm, the podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Espinasi, known as New Zealand's Modern Medium, and I have been very privileged over the years to connect thousands of people to their loved ones in spirit, whether that be through one-on-one readings to my sellout Whispers from Above shows. I'm excited to be able to bring you this podcast where together we are going to be bringing mediumship into the everyday homes, the everyday hearts and everyday conversations. Whether you are here seeking solace after the loss of a loved one, needing guidance on your life's journey, or simply you have a curiosity to explore the mysteries of the universe, the Making Mediumship the Norm podcast is here to support you. My intention with each episode is to help you bridge the gap with life beyond this earth. So without further ado, let's tap in to today's episode. Hello, beautiful seekers. I am so honored to welcome you to this very special episode where we're going to be diving into a really important conversation to do with mediumship. And I'm really excited to introduce you to the beautiful Chantelle, who is going to lead us in this powerful healing and understanding of how mediumship truly is what propels us into our purpose and our mission here on earth. And so let's welcome Chantelle first, and then we'll dive into what we're going to talk about. So hi, beautiful. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I've been having trouble with my light bulb, and as soon as you introduced me, it just went bright. So, yeah, so. <laughs> the light is here. Yeah, the I light is it. here. Yeah. So, Chantel, you have been through probably one of the most challenging things that any person can go through, and that is the loss of a child. And I've been a medium for a very long time, and even beyond this life as Melissa. And it's not my favorite thing to do, connecting parents to their children, and It's something that I feel often doesn't get talked about enough because of what it brings up. So I just want to honor your courage and your strength and how empowering you are in allowing us to have this conversation. So let's honor your beautiful daughter who I can feel her energy with us already. She's the one playing with the light. (laughs) (laughs) And talk us through, you know, what happened in 2017 and how this has changed the course of your life. Yeah, so, wow. So, yeah, back in 2017, I had three children, three beautiful children, and we were organizing a trip away as a family to go on a ski trip and the evening before my beloved little sailor rose for two and a half adventurous just free-spirited wild wild child like she was very difficult (laughs) in the most beautiful way very independent um always busy she snuck away from me that evening we had stepped in to borrow some ski gear from a friend before we went away because it's so expensive to go to these things. So, but remembering that this, our friends owned a rural property and um, they had a pool that was above ground, but they hadn't fenced it. So we arrived at about, I believe it was evening time because I remember seeing the moon, this big full moon. 
the pool was quite in the back of the property, but she had snuck around and we had, it was within minutes she had disappeared from my sight when I thought she was with, there was a tribe of children all in the lounge because my friend had three children. And within seconds she had, we had lost her. And I, it's really interesting because I remember that night she was so, she wasn't herself at all. She was so, yeah, she was such a weird energy. And I remember looking, the last time I had looked at her, I'd given her a big hug. And she was like, I remember looking at her and she was just like, something in her eyes just glowed. And I was like, whoa, what was that? And I said, like, put her back in with her brother while I was looking for some some more ski gear with a friend of mine in the garage and went back into the house and she wasn't there. And then when I continued to look around the property, I was like, oh, she's in the car because she loves playing in the car. She was always in the car playing with all the bits and pieces, wasn't there. And then I had remembered there was the swimming pool and I was like, oh, fuck, no. And then this wave of like, like, shit. It was like I knew in that moment. And when I, I don't want to go too far into that story right now, but she went, that's where I had found her. And from there, she was floating face forward and I jumped in furiously. Just, I don't really remember what happened after that, but just giving her mouth to mouth and the ambulance coming. And then from there being with her in the hospital for four days while she was on life support. So they were able to bring her brain function back. So she had only been really in the water for not too long. They say, you know, it can take two to three minutes without oxygen because it was actually dark. It was nighttime in October, which was quite cold. So it was the last place we thought she would be. But unfortunately, the, the home wasn't secured, which, you know, I've gone through all the what ifs and that, which we'll all talk about later on, I'm sure. But yeah, so we spent four days with her and she was on life support and they kept doing testing every day more and more testing to check any um activity in her brain and every day there wasn't any and I mean that was the most horrible four days of my life prior to that moment where they had decided to actually say look there's we can't keep her like this like we're gonna have to turn her life support off was probably the most devastating thing I'd yeah have ever imagined like my whole life was falling apart in front of me and the guilt that I had was just eating me up they had to put me on really heavy meds while I was at the hospital because my husband was kind of holding the fort but I just had so much guilt like it was just horrific and I just did not know what was going on I was like what the fuck is on like one minute I'm planning it was actually my birthday weekend as well and then they had said look we need to t- we're going to turn her life support off on the 6th and that was actually my birthday and my family had said which I my family didn't tell me until quite a long time after that you know they had made them do it the, the day after but I actually look at it as like a gift now I don't look at it as a negative thing I, I look at it much more differently now I un- I understand it a lot more differently but they had said, look, we're going to turn her life support off. She'll probably only survive for 10 minutes. And then they had organ people, all the conversations about organs. And uh, it was like, what? what's going on? Like, like, and I'm, I'm very empathic. I've been empathic my whole life. So I'm like, of course, if there's another child who needs my child's heart, like, yes. And, but. 
I want to know who this baby is. Like, I want to know this child. If this child has my child's heart, I want to know who this child is. But they, it was very strange. They didn't want to give any information and it was very cold. You know, the hospital settings are so cold. Prior to this all happening, I had met this really beautiful woman and through my older daughter and she had, she also is a medium doesn't really work with in that way that's not her main focus but she connects with spirit and she I got a received a text from her in the hospital a day before she's saying Chantal Sailor's with me right now and I was like what the fuck and I I knew straight away yeah she was because I've always been very open and very right-brained and she said she's here she's got something in her mouth that's really uncomfortable and she's right I can just see her running in in and out of the doors and I had only met this woman a few times and I ended up working with her afterwards, but I asked her now, I said, Jen, how did you have the courage to do that? She goes, I, Sailor was adamant that I rang you. I didn't want to. I was scared as fuck. I didn't know how you would react if you'd freak out, but she just trusted that inner knowing. But that was kind of, that whole piece was my evolution to opening my own channel and being able to connect with her. And Spirit was meeting this woman, all these divine moments that led up to that who then she helped me open my my channel and learn to connect with Sailor. So anyway, going back to when they said that they were going to turn her life support off, she continued breathing for eight hours. And the doctors were like, uh, and we were like, she's still breathing. And so I had all this hope, hopium, like come over me. I was like, Connor, I mean, we could, like I was researching these places, like i wasn't researching a lot because I was actually very out of it. But I was like, there's, there's people all over the world. I mean, we could do whatever we could in that moment. And I remember in the corridor of the of that night when she had come off her life support, there was this girl who was going back and forth in the room and she was completely brain dead and she had like, she was up and uh, she was paraplegic she had a free a breathing tube and she just kept coming back and forth our room and me and Connor kept looking at her and I was like, what the hell? And it was almost like, is this is this what I want for my beautiful daughter? Because I so was keeping her here. I did I refused to let her go. I was like, no, we're we're keeping her alive. And there was a part of me was like, is this fear to keep this beautiful soul trapped in this body? You know, trapped in not trapped, but it was like it was just, I don't know if it's making sense what I'm saying, but it was like when we were seeing this girl go back and forth of the room, it was like it's this. kind of like you had a, a premonition vision. Yes, of what life would be if Sailor was to be, you know, completely dependent on us and being the little girl that she was or she is, no. So she continued to breathe and it was getting weaker and weaker and I remember holding her in my arms and, saying you know my husband was there and I said it's okay baby girl you can leave now it's it's okay and in that moment she just left the minute we gave her permission to um she was she felt us you know and and it was the most painful thing but also when I look back now the most one of the most beautiful things because actually I could feel her 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 energy moving through her body and I looked at her beautiful body, but I'm like, you know, I, I couldn't feel her anymore. Her energy wasn't there. I'm like, but that's not Sailor. Like, I can't feel her, but I could feel feel her. her. And so after that experience, I, I, I went kind of on a downward spiral of grief and trauma and just really, it was 
the opioids that they had put me on, I got quite attached to them. They were called lorazepams. So they kind of block your neuro pathways. So every time I had a wave would come or grief because it was just so horrific, I would just take one. And um, so months went by and I was still in heavy grief on these bloody pills and I just was not surviving at all and actually tried to end my life. And it was almost like I'd become trapped in this victim kind of state of like I couldn't even see my own, my other children or my husband's grief. It just had, I just become consumed in this pain, which is so normal. And I always tell myself how normal it is, but I honestly could have gone. If I, I remember this one evening, I said to my husband, I'm bringing her back. I'm bringing her back. She needs to come back. She needs to fucking come back. And we we went, I took him in. We, both our, our um, immune systems were shot. Like we both had foils. Like we were very healthy people. We got really, really sick, both of us. We were so run down. And we, we had sex probably once and we conceived. And the doctor said, I don't know how on earth you did that because you guys were just, nothing should have been, you know, scientifically working how it should have been. And um. I got pregnant eight weeks after she passed, which was saved my life, I believe, because it put me on this huge inwards healing journey to get off this heavy medication and to really go within through a lot of energy healing and deep kind of trauma release and somatic work. And I learned to meditate. I remember going to this woman I was working with. I need to connect with her. How can I connect with her? Teach me how. And yeah, it was kind of like my journey into self happened while I was pregnant. So not only, and this is when this massive spiritual awakening actually happened as well. And which I haven't which, really shared. Which often about. mediumship yeah. does. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I talk about this all the time. I always say that we kind of have, this blip in the mind that happens when we have someone we love transition to the spirit realm that makes us go, oh, wait a minute. We're not actually just human. There's more out there. Let me find out how. How can I connect? It can't be the end. And we start to go on this journey. And the pain that we feel from grief is here to propel us to discover who we truly are and to help us be ignited in our missions. And it sounds like you are, in a sense, the perfect example of this deep, deep pain taking you on this journey of self-discovery. And your daughter is a gift to have given you that. And I'm sure you've done a lot of work on this and know that everything is predestined and that you and your daughter would have agreed to this before you came into your physical bodies. And even though we would go, why the hell would I agree to this? Because this is awful. Hmm. It actually serves a purpose for the both of you. And so I want to just, Chantel, circle back to something you said in the beginning, because it fascinated me. You said that the last time you looked at her, you yeah. saw like this glow in her eyes and that her behavior wasn't quite the same. Mm. Do you feel in a way she was preparing you for what was to come because her soul knew it was happening? Yes, 100%. She was not herself that whole evening leave, leading up. She was all over the place and very hypo. And also she her last meal was Skittles. 
which I don't really buy the kids Skittles, but my other two had been to the movies that day. And so she, there was this huge, you know, the giant bags of Skittles and she had been stuffing them in her mouth. She's like, if this is going to be the last yeah. thing I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat up those Skittles. <laughs> that. Like, she absolutely picked that. I mean, what I remembered, like, through my awakening was actually we're here in this body and this human experience is to to taste, to smell, to to breathe, to to, to have pleasure. Because when we're in, in light body, we, we don't have those things, you know. We, we don't experience that. And the more I started remembering that and awakening, I was like, of course it was her last meal. And of course she was wild and she, she, she wasn't attached to anything when she was in the physical. She didn't really need me. She like would come to me for boob and be changed, but she was fiercely independent. She always was moving around, feeling, exploring, like jumping out of windows. Like she was crazy. She was, she was running everywhere, just wanted to touch and feel and sense everything. I'm like, I know why, you know, she knew she was only going to be subconsciously she knew she was only going to be in this little body for a short time we went to bali we lived in bali for three months i did some crazy stuff in that pregnant with when she was little that i would never have done but she called those experience in and we we always lived by the ocean like she had a good life those three yeah. years and in fact you know she only really got to experience love yeah and um, yeah you know, by by the time we're kind of like a little bit older than you know two and a half then yeah. things start to kind of settle into human life but she really yeah. got to live the best of it and and that's what she took with her into the spirit realm and you know I I really want to ask you because there is I know every passing we can't make one more special than the other because every passing comes with its challenges but I do feel there is a little bit of a difference between a, a mother, for example, who has a stillborn child compared to maybe someone like yourself who has had this child living for yeah. a period of time. So can you talk to us about the real emotions? You don't have to necessarily go back there per se, but what I know you talked about guilt. But what else kind of goes through you when you have this child and then next thing you know, you've lived with them and, and they are experiencing life and then they're not physically here anymore. Like what it's, you go through as a mom. Most, it's the most horrible, 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 like disgusting, empty feeling. And I, I, I don't even have a word, a human word for it but just have you ever seen like an elephant or a whale crying you know that wailing just like I remember wailing and wailing and wailing with the loudest sounds of just emptiness and like the hardest thing was seeing other other people with their children who were too like I, I remember for the when I finally got to leave my house because it took me a long time I going even down to the into the supermarket and then seeing the nappy section and then I would cry like I you would have waves like I would call them waves of like grief and just stand in the supermarket and just cry and what I hated was people would always come up to me and go what's wrong it's like you can't like society doesn't know how to hold space like they're like want to fix you I'm like just let me fucking cry I know and this is this is why this, this is my mission yeah. and making mediumship the norm yeah. because as a bereaved mother, 
people don't know what to say to you. They don't want to, it's like your daughter becomes a white elephant in the room because they don't want to mention her because they're like, is that going to make you upset? Or do like, do I do something to make you happy? And then what tends to happen is people avoid you. People kind of leave you alone. And this is why this conversation is important because I'd love for you to share, Chantal, like what kind of support or what would you have wished people would have done and said for you to navigate this with more understanding? Absolutely. So one thing I always tell people, never ask someone who's going through grief, how are you? Say, hey, it's really good to see you. Really good to see you. And you're like, thanks. Because when you ask someone, how are you? And then that person who's fucking dying says, I'm okay. Because that's just as humans, we always go, oh, good. You're you're disempowering yourself. And another thing is what I would have yearned for is people to learn how to hold space or hold someone. You don't need to say anything. No one knew how to hold me. Like they would start talking or projecting their story of grief or when their mom died or their grandma died. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, no, 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 you can't. This isn't just, just listen. I don't need you to fix me. I just want someone who can hold me so I can cry and be a mess and just go, I'm here. I see you. I feel you. And let's just do this together. Don't, yeah. say, don't need to say anything. I don't need makeup. I don't need clothes. <laughs> like so many gifts. Oh my God. My house looked like a, bloody um florist but I mean which is normal and people just don't know what to do but people I I really you know that's why I'm really passionate about teaching people like in a lot of the workshops I do now as I have these we do these exercises and I'm teaching people how to hold space and how to hold people in their shit (laughs) how to hold people in their suffering because actually it's just about being and I what was the hardest thing is no one could do that my sister was my actually my sister was amazing but my mum she bless her heart she tried so hard but always said the wrong thing and we would just fight but it's just that the the trying to fix or trying to project their experience don't do that just just listen just be hey do you want to go for a walk you know do you want to do you want to get in the garden get in the earth like one of my first things I did was I had this because we had just built this home and I spent hours in the garden and people I said don't buy me flowers buy me plants so we I just planted I sat and put my feet hands in the earth and I planted all these trees and creating being creative hey get them outside into nature get them in the sand I had this beautiful friend I have this beautiful friend who creates imagery in the sand and would get out there breaks and create like move the energy out of the body we need to move we can't be stagnant and I remember when I was working with this woman because I was like I'm meditating but I feel horrible and she turned and she's like Chantal you need to fucking move get out and move and I remember I had this big pile of wood and I literally grabbed and moved it to one place and I just moved and I got that rage out and I got the frustration out and I was just moving this wood it's like we can't stay frozen and it's so important just to yeah, I don't know if I'm going on a tangent, but I just think it's okay. Are- I, it's really important stuff because in, I feel, Eastern civilizations, yeah. we don't really honor death. We don't no. celebrate death. We don't understand death. We don't even, I mean, mediumship is still something people don't even believe in, which just like baffles me that people don't even I I saw someone make a comment recently and go I can't believe people believe in mediumship and I go I can't believe people don't in this day and age right 
And so we don't know how to, like you said, have these conversations and hold space for people. So your story here in this episode is so valuable in starting this conversation so that we do know how to be there for each other, no matter what kind of passing a person experiencing, whether it is a child, whether it is a parent or a friend, whoever it might be. And we we all kind of need the same love <laughs> as we navigate through that. A hundred percent. And people become frozen. And I know in a lot of like families, it's like my husband's mother, beautiful. She, she lost her um, mother when she was only, I think, 12 or 13. And no one talked about it. You just didn't. You had to put it under the, it was put under the rug. No one talks about it. So you're, so what you're doing is you're, um, you've learned these mechanisms of disassociating from the trauma, the mentalizing. And but yet you're carrying this trauma with you forever. So anything that will happen in your life will activate that. And it's not healthy. We need to feel the grief. And not only did I have grief, but I had other things attached to the grief. I had guilt attached to the grief. I had shame attached to the grief. I had anger and rage. And it's like to move through these very normal, normal um, energies because grief is sacred. And I'll always have my grief for my daughter. I mean, and I have a very strong relationship with now. And the more, more work I've done on myself to let the heaviness go and bring more light into my being, she's able to become closer. And that's why what I tell women, the more density we have around us, it's harder for them to, to come in. They can't because there's, it's too dense. The we're full of grief and pain and dwelling in victim how can they touch us and it's like but then people are like well how do we get out and it's like and it's very difficult when we've never been shown how to move through pain we've never been shown how to navigate through trauma and that's where oh, my that it's okay to have and it's okay and it's so normal to feel because we've been taught that, you know, as a woman, we have to hold everything together and don't cry, you know, you're just everything's perfect. Don't don't let don't be vulnerable. But actually this is a place where we have to be messy as fuck and fuck everybody else because we've been through the most pain that, you know, and and we've got full permission to be messy as fuck. But through that mess, we can blossom out. And I always like to look at it. I tell women I work with it. It's like, let that, let that go and let that trauma and that pain become your compost into your roots. And then it'll allow you to grow and to let that lighten and let, let that fall away and then blossom out of, of that space of pain. Because we don't, I don't believe that we suffer as human beings, that my daughter's death, I'm, I was, a, I am a good person and I was an amazing mother to my daughter. And I remember when she passed, I'm like, I would see these clips on the news of some psychopath, serial killer, you know, a lot. I'm like, why isn't he dead? Like what, you know, like why my daughter or like all these things, like all the whys, why me? Why, why, why going back and forth? But that will like eat you up. But I'm like, I was always like, actually, my daughter is my legacy. She lives through me. I, Sailor Rose lives through me. Everything that she was, her, her massive boundaries and her big no, I didn't have when she was alive. I have them now. And I like to look at it like she's, I'm, she's living through me. So she's an aspect of me. She is, I am her legacy. I like to try to tell women that let your child be your legacy. 
you know, to to move and use that grief and that pain to become something well, even let's, better. Let's yeah. explore that, Chantal, because your daughter's passing became the the thing that changed the trajectory for you and your mission. So what did her passing activate deep within you that you now have such a big, powerful mission <laughs> with women all around the world? Take us through how how this pain of this grief and this deep discovery of, okay, I've got to get myself through this and figure out who I am and to to let her have this legacy be mm. the thing that you now empower all these women around the world. Yeah, it was, I guess, connecting back to my to my womb. <laughs> it was connecting back to my body, to myself, to my heart. And, you know, I was living a life from, I, I call it from the head up, like in the mind, just letting your mind uh, in the busyness of life, I've got to do this, this, and this. I had terrible anxiety, always doing, 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 being, being. But I was never actually, sorry, doing, not really being, but I was never present, present in the moment. And learning to connect back to the body, to the, my body's whispers, and listening to my heart, opening my heart. Uh, I remember at home, I, it all started when I, ta- I literally taught myself to meditate because I couldn't leave the house for like a year. It was too painful. But I was doing all these things to just try to um, connect inwards. And I was doing a lot of meditation, you know, researching all these things. How can I, uh, learning about my third eye, learning about this. I went to, there was some woman who did like these group sessions and of mediumship. And I was like, I just need to connect to my daughter. And so I'd go and learn how to like connect to spirit. And I did a lot of shamanic inner work but the the core of it was connecting back to my womb back to the my life force energy and the divine like learning about the divine feminine and how that's being so suppressed and coming back into my power and the sea and my seasons before my daughter passed I had terrible menstruation um, I had a symptom called PMDD. I had a lot of anxiety for, before she passed. I had a lot of history before she passed. So when she passed, all that trauma came to the light. So there was no escaping it. Because once I w- was working through that, everything else came there. All the sexual trauma that I had, all the, you know, the eating disorders when I was a young woman. Like, I have had a very colorful life. And, it all um, just surfaced. Oh, my all gosh. All surfaced. So I was working through these layers and layers and layers. Um, but it was all coming back to igniting the life force within, remembering how to feel the feminine essence, remembering how to spiral in, and that I'd become so frozen in my being to, to start actually just feeling out of the numbness. And that took, you know, just going from being really numb to igniting the life force within and then remembering the deep severing that we had from spirit and connecting back to Papa Tanuku, back to Mother Earth, connecting back to, to Father Sky, um, to, to Earth Mother, Earth Father, and just remembering. And I went very, 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 very deep. I've had, yeah, and that's been probably the, I don't even really have the words. And then I ended up activating my tongue and bringing through light language and Beautiful. yeah so I, I have a I, I think I spent many times I was spent a lot of my times healing in the forest and just bringing through sound and once I connected my throat to my womb and it started with just energy moving through my body and then all of a sudden 
just allowing sound to come through and opening more my chakras and opening my throat chakra and opening because you know our throat's connected to our yoni and then I had this like tribal language come through which is a deep connection I work a lot with the frequency of of mother of of the earth mother and that's been that was that was amazing and I'm like whoa what is this do you think that that is a lot of Lumerian energy that you work with yeah thank you for saying that and that's absolutely um Lumerian energy and and the Lumerian priestess lines yes Especially um, being in New Zealand, which yeah. is old Lumerian land. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So all activating all these aspects of myself. And I didn't know that this experience with losing with my daughter, I don't like the word losing, but it's no, not. No, I don't either because they're not a pair of keys. No, she's not lost. And she's and not the- dead either. Like no, she's not. I find no. it so interesting for so long. I've been saying, yeah, I talk to dead people, but I'm like, they're not actually dead, you know. Yeah. Their their spirit is still very much alive. It's just their physical body. They're no longer in a physical uh, vehicle, really. Yeah, her 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 little beautiful body's not here anymore. It's gone back to the earth, but her soul is very much here, and she comes through so much stronger. The more I open and surrender and let go, she's able to come even more. And she's my guide now. Like she she comes of course through. She is. Yeah, she always was, and it's so cool. And I just, I, she's, she's a very powerful little being. And she used, and when I need her to come through as a little girl, she does. But, you know, I also feel her in her light body as just a very ascended being. And she's, she's busy. <laughs> I want to um, ask you, what's your connection with her like in the spirit realm for people who, for example, because before this, I get the understanding that you weren't really someone who connected to the spirit realm, right? So from someone who had maybe no idea how to connect to now being fully immersed in it, what did you do to kind of build that relationship with her? And what's your connection and relationship with her now? Like for a mother or anybody that's like, I don't know if this is what I'm feeling or I don't, you know, like what would you say? Oh, I went through all of that. I thought I was making it up in my head. I'm like, is that really you? But it's just trust, deep, deep trust. And I had to isolate myself from the world. Like for like over a year and a half, I turned off the television. I turned off the news. I turned off the programming. I turned off all the noise. I remember doing, I don't do meditations anymore or like I used to meditate like every day, but now I can, I don't need to do that. But I really, I had to stop the monkey mind. I had to learn how to come back in and control my mind because it was just fucking crazy. And, but I remember doing a Vipassana when I was pregnant, eight months pregnant. I did silent meditation for 14 days and that was wild. And I remember her coming in they tell you in that thing don't you're not allowed to be in with spirit which I didn't like about that course but she would come and play with me in spirit but when she it was just about like I was she would I would call her in and close my eyes and and for people who find it hard to meditate because so many people go oh, I can't meditate I I honestly would do guided meditations they helped me just come back into the present moment guided meditations were really amazing for me and the meditations where you would actually 
can't remember so long ago now, but when you did the the ones where you would actually visualize calling them in was the ones I did, but they were absolutely amazing where I would actually take myself into like a waterfall and then I'd go into the waterfall and then I'd invite her in and then I'd see her coming in and she'd hand me something. And yeah, it was just absolutely just trusting what I was seeing. And that's when we've really got to activate, I feel like that right brain and just just stick away from the noise of the world and and get back into nature like a big part of my healing was connecting back to nature and being outside in the earth and the water I remember spending so much time in the freezing water just submerging myself and I didn't even know it was a thing then but it would still my mind and then I found out that cold water immersions are actually like a thing and I was like wow but I, yeah, I think I just researched this so much online. I, gosh, I did so much. I just kept searching and searching. And then I realized actually it's all within me. I have to stop searching and asking people. It's like, I can do this. I, but I needed the people, I needed that support, like the mediums. I needed the, the people outside to teach me and to show me that that was possible. Otherwise you just don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say like, you know, for me, I look at mediumship as, you know, if you go and have a session with a medium, that's great. It's like them giving you a meal, right? They're giving you the fish. But if you learn how to do mediumship, then of course you've taught them to fish for life, right? And that's what I feel us as mediums are really here to do is to empower everybody because every single person is a medium. It would be impossible not to be a medium because we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. Like it makes no sense. We are spirit here in these bodies. So it it would just be like saying, oh yeah, you're in a body, but you can't breathe. Like it just, it's impossible. And so it is our due diligence as humans to learn or relearn or come back to the remembrance of channeling and being able to do this and having that connection with life beyond this earth. And I'm so glad that you went on this journey and developed this for yourself. And what's your sign for your daughter? Like, do you have a particular thing that you know it's her or is there a particular smell or feeling? Like, So I'm real clear. I don't really know all the words because I was I'm I'm I don't do this as like a job like I it's okay <laughs> yeah so I I I'm clear sentient so you I, feel? I feel I feel I don't I can I can sometimes sense and see but it's more this feeling and all just like, oh so when so when um she used to come through I would start crying and then I was like oh it's, oh she's just here because I'd feel her energy and and I didn't really know it was her here and then I'd go oh my god and I'm like and she was almost telling me, like, no, I'm here. So it was hard to. And now I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you for coming to me. Yeah, but she comes to me in different times, like often in real sacred spaces when I'm holding deep temple work or circles for women because I hold women's circles. That's when she's, she likes to come in when the energy is very still. And when I'm still, I have a very busy life. I have four children and it's chaos in my life. So it's when I'm still is when I can feel here the most or if I'm in nature and the mind's clear when I'm really present. That's when you're when being. Just being, not doing. And that was the learning, was learning how to just be because I was doing, doing, doing. I was a people pleaser. I'm an empath. So it was my whole life of being a people pleaser. And, um, and 
So learning how to just be in the present moment is when you're able to just feel spirit come through. And now when I'm working with women, I can feel their energy or their guides and and what the messages are coming through. And it's in that place of stillness and just deep presence is when I can um, feel spirit come through. Yeah. But it was so beautiful been a journey like oh my goodness what I've done and you know I've had I've worked with many uh, mediums and which has been beautiful and I'm so glad that they were there to help guide me to the next part you know the woman who called me when my daughter was on her deathbed like that was the pivotal and now you know my that little soul uh, sorry my daughter works with her and really stepped her into her work so it's just crazy how it all intertwines and that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I love this stuff. I mean, this is my life. <laughs> so nothing yeah. ever surprises me. Nothing shocks me. I just love how yeah. we really don't understand how like the full capacity of how like God or source, how, whichever way you want to explain it has put everything in this perfect plan. Yeah. And even though sometimes these things happen that are so unfair and so unjust and and we kind of wonder why it happens to us, there's this bigger unfolding that happens. And you wouldn't be doing the work that you're doing now. You wouldn't be this oh. present mother, not saying you were a bad mother before or anything like that, but I, you, know, you, you wouldn't be this woman who is radically shifting mm. women in becoming more sovereign in their bodies and releasing the generational trauma and all the crap that, you know, we're holding on to had this not happened and you wouldn't have this understanding of the spirit realm. You wouldn't be having this conversation here that is going to empower thousands and thousands of people all around the world. Like I feel there's such a bigger picture to things and I just love how, even though this is a really challenging thing that happened to you, you've turned it into something that is such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, really. You know, it's sometimes I, I was listening to a podcast, your podcast with the woman you had on a while ago who had the stillborn and she had mentioned something that I could relate to was it's sometimes difficult though when you can see and feel women stuck in that place and they're not able to move out. And and I and I I use it's taken me a while to step out and share my story and voice because I felt guilt. I'm like, well, I'm not meant to be healed. This isn't what we're meant to be. I mean, we're meant to be. I mean, I remember people telling me, oh, you're gonna be, this, you're gonna feel this for the rest of your life, and your life's never gonna be the same. You're gonna have this pain and grief. I'm like, fuck no, I refuse to feel like this for the rest of my life. I refuse. No. And your and your daughter would not want that for you. <laughs> That is just like the most cruel thing to say. Like you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life and be punished forever. Like, yeah, we were told that our marriage would break because apparently 90, what was I told? 90% of couples break up when they lose a child. Yeah. We had all the stuff projected on us. I was like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> No, I get that. Um, I wanted to, just thank you so much for sharing your heart, sharing your journey. And I know that we could be diving into so many different aspects of this, but I feel this is already going to 
be such an eye opener for people of not only how to hold a parent who has a child transition into the spirit realm, but also just how to hold people in general when they're grieving. So what I like to do with everybody who comes on the podcast is to end the our session together with a message to your loved ones. So I'm going to give you the floor to say something from your heart to your beautiful daughter. Oh, my darling, beautiful angel, I would not be the woman I am in this now moment if it weren't for this wildly painful, horrible, beautiful journey that I've been on of grief and self-discovery. If it were not for you choosing me to be your mama, and I love you so fucking much. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being the guiding light that you are every day that I wake up and open my eyes, knowing that you're right there beside me, my biggest cheerleader cheering me on. I just feel so blessed and honoured that you chose me to be your mama. And I know that there's a huge mission here and that I'm on a mission here and I will. And I am choosing love and deep trust. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that so much. <laughs> oh, the waterworks are going to start for me. I'm such a, <laughs> such a sucker for things like this. Thank you. Honestly, from the top to bottom of my heart, Chantel, for this very important conversation that is close to my heart in making mediumship the norm. So I adore you. I send you and your family so much love. And I know that you're going to do incredible things in this world with your beautiful daughter as the shining light. So keep doing, keep doing your thing and sharing your story. It's time. And you too. And thank you so much for finding me and inviting me onto the show and shining a light to this really, really, really crucial, beautiful conversation that needs to be happening so much. <laughs> We're doing it together. So from my heart to yours, Chantel, and to everybody listening, and we just hold you in so much space. If you are a woman that is, you know, navigating this, you're definitely not on your own. And there are beautiful people like Chantel that are here to help you heal. So if people are wanting to connect with you in the work that you do, where's like the best place to find you? I mean, I'll put it in the show link as well, but where do you kind of hang out? Gosh, it, everything happens just kind of organically. It's, I don't really have a website, but I'm I'm working on a Facebook and Instagram are probably the two main ways to get hold of me. That's where I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, yeah. Maybe Who has a website these days? I know. Yeah, and I just also want to put here in the space that just honoring wherever you are in your grief journey is perfect, exactly where you to be, where you need to be. And for whatever reason, mine went down the road it was. And sometimes some people are longer than others, but it's okay. And if you're here listening to this right now, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I want to express my utmost gratitude for having you joining me on this journey in making mediumship the norm. 
as we together continue to explore the depths of the spiritual realm, I ask if you could please leave a five-star review for the podcast. Your feedback and your ratings not only brighten up my day, but they also help others to discover the podcast so we can truly bring mediumship into the everyday homes and conversations. And if you're ready to dive in deeper and want to work with me and see what possibilities await you, I encourage you to book in a reading with me or to check out the Soul Love Academy. Thank you so much for being part of this incredible journey in making mediumship the norm. I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Until then, remember that you are a gift to the world. Together we awaken, together we align, and together we ascend. Love always, Melissa Espinasi. Mwah!